When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings are pretty much the best team in North American team sports to never win a championship. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. Very somber Monday here today on Before We Die brought to you uh, by Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce, usually covering men who chase around a rubber puck on the ice for NHL.com, but had switched gears challenging myself with this football team Minnesota Vikings a fun team up until yesterday to follow we'll dive into that he's Thor Nystrom uh betting on all the right things including the Minnesota Vikings which turned out also foul yesterday uh and he's Ross Brendel who brings in the realism to our show as always guys can we just have a moment of silence for what was the Minnesota Vikings season please Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about next year. No, I'm just kidding. Let's break <laughs> down uh, yesterday's game. What else can really left to be said? The Minnesota Vikings season ended by the New York Giants at U.S. Bank Stadium. 31-24 uh, game. The first one score loss the Minnesota Vikings have suffered this season. Is that kind of like just the dagger, you guys? Like to me, having that be your first one score loss, something that they have been so successful in all season long. Uh, to have it come at such a pivotal time, a season-ending time, that to me was just like, mm, of course, of course. Yes, of course, yeah. I mean, you weren't going to ride that all the way out to the Super Bowl, the the one possession thing, and yeah, the you know, unfortunately, it went to the it regressed to the mean in in the worst possible time. But there was plenty of things that happened in that game that you could have prevented, and you know that that would have flipped the the result. And unfortunately, they didn't happen. A lot of them on the defensive side of the ball. And I'd like to, to stop our moment of silence so that we can rip at Donatel sufficiently here in a second, but th- that'd be the big one. And then the last play with, with cousins and the interior offensive line didn't play very well and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it was, it was tough to see the first one last possession happen in the playoffs. I mean, it's hard to find just one person, one thing at Dontel obviously deserves quite a bit of that. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, you guys. Now, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And we've talked about this in past episodes of Before We Die. Is it necessarily all on Ed or is it also on the players that he has been given? We talked about a lot of these guys are old and they are on the wrong side of 30, if you will, for the defensive scheme. So to ask them to learn a completely new scheme, which maybe isn't that good as a whole. I mean, who do you blame a little bit more? Because honestly, as as upset as we can all be at Ed and, you know, who knows what uh, his job title looks like moving forward here in the in the next couple days or weeks um I also looked at it yesterday through a deeper lens and was like you know what 
this defense sucks though too like i mean he you know what else could you really expect from some of those players what are your guys' thoughts there it's 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 a little bit of both but most of it is on at dawn until i i i was dming a, a buddy who works in radio last night after the game who's a, an enormous vikings fan works in a different state I'm just going to read this DM because this it, it answers your question. I said, the lack of adjustments was jarring and became more and more so as we went on. I gave him, Ed, the benefit of the doubt at the beginning, tried to see it his way. I gave the excuse for the personnel, the scheme adjustment, that Quasi drafted prospects on that side of the ball, that the defense last year sucked. But at a certain point, you did have a certain amount of talent and there was a baseline expectation of performance. And you fell beneath, beneath each week in and week out. And every time there was a possible and obvious adjustment in game to make, he failed to do so. And afterwards would explain that he had a system and it was his players who weren't executing it. He's overmatched as an NFL defensive coordinator and easy to scheme against. Chess against checkers. Paul Allen was pulling his hair out on the radio tonight, last night, about the open field in the middle every single play that we have seen since October. Every opponent gets it. We all see it. We all know it's a problem. We all know it's going to get attacked one way or the other. And there is no adjustment week in and week out. Just one example of several. Ed Donatel has to go. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest issue I obviously had with the defense, as I'm sure many Vikings fans did, going back to our show on Thursday where we said, guys, there's really two things that Minnesota needs to do in order to beat the Giants. That's stop Saquon Barkley and to not allow Danny Dimes the ability to run. They didn't do either of those things, which is a huge (laughs) part. Like Barkley goes and just had an unreal game. And of course, he is a fantastic player, no doubt about it. But they didn't do anything to stop or deviate from that option. And again, Daniel Jones looking like he's Lamar Jackson at his prime yesterday, just absolutely um, cannot be happening, especially in a playoff game like that, where you advance, it just seemed like the defense was kind of like, Oh, we'll figure it out. The offense will figure it out in the third or fourth quarter. Like we always do. And I do, I think that narrative, as we've said, you play with fire enough times, you're going to get burned. And I think that finally caught up with them too. Yeah. At one point on the broadcast, sorry, Thor, I'm sure you guys both heard this, but at one point on the broadcast on uh, Fox NFL Sunday, we heard the, this is the game of his life for Daniel Jones having a career game. How many times have we heard that as Vikings fans, not only in the history of the Minnesota Vikings, but just the last few years on your Ed Donatel point, Jesse Pierce. Yes. He gets blame. I still struggle with how much blame. I will go back to the fact that he was brought in here to win now. And a part of the reason why this team had four losses was because of his defense. A part of the reason why they played in so many one-score games and escaped with victory was because of his defense. And the biggest reason that they lost to the New York Giants in the wildcard round is because of his defense. So something has to be done there on the defensive side of the ball Uh, on Daniel Jones. It was just, it was predictable that that would happen, right? (laughs) He was just here three weeks ago, played. Okay. They got some help back with Galladay back who, by the way, of course, classic, we poke fun at Galladay and then he shows up. He didn't have a great game, but he was there, I believe. Did he catch a pass or two? Thor, you'll have the stats in front of you. Can I just I believe- say that I didn't even know Galladay was still in the NFL anymore because I feel like he used to be on my fantasy team years ago, and I'm like, oh, good for him. Good for and him. Thor's Thor's guy, Hodgins, looks like Jerry Rice out there. 
This is two times in a row now he's come to U.S. Bank Stadium and just lit the Vikings defense up. Yeah. I know that's I know that's not a great achievement or accomplishment this year, but Ed, secondary, this just happened to you three weeks ago. <laughs> Did you learn nothing from the first game? It's it's disappointing. I know we talked about heading into this game how a loss in the wild card round would shape our view of the season. And I, I did say it would be disappointing, but I do think you need to take the long view. I, I just, I don't know if I can say it's disappointing or not all as I can say. And I, I just, I do dislike using this cop out, but I'm going to use it just incredibly Vikings. Like, you know, just to have the defense not show up to lose, not lose a one score game all year. And then you finally lose a one score game. I'll tout myself, even though it doesn't really matter. The game just had some weird feelings. I think I tweeted out, I texted a couple friends that said, five bucks says if the Vikings force a punt, Rager's going to fumble. Well, sure <laughs> enough, he fumbled. Thank goodness they got the ball back. It just had all types of weird feelings. And in all honesty, the Vikings looked like the Giants, and the Giants looked like how the Vikings should have looked like. The Giants yeah. came in with a sense of purpose, beat the Vikings. For the most part, the score doesn't show it, but they were definitely the more physical team on the defensive mm-hmm. line against the Vikings offensive line. And Saquon Barkley just, first off, having massive holes to run through, and then when he did run into people, just ran right over them. Uh, disappointing in almost every sense of the word. I mean, Gall- going Galladay in- did not finish with a catch. Uh, Hodges okay. and Slayton had combined for 12 catches for 193 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. But I was going to say, it's a college offense that they were facing. It's yeah. a one-read RPO system where you have the fake, and then he, Daniel Jones would have one read. If the one read was taken away, Daniel Jones took off every single time. That is not difficult to scheme against. Mm-hmm. Who's easy to scheme against? It's at Donatel. Yeah, I mean, some of the players that you have personnel limitations, but it should not be easy for only two options to every single time have there be success. It's like you have a coin flip and every time it's coming up the Giants way because the Vikings can't take away either of the ones. Either Daniel Jones was throwing it to Isaiah Hodgins or Slayton and they were coming down with it and then running afterwards. Or Daniel Jones would just be like, oh, yeah, that option's taken away. I'm running now. It should not be that easy for an NFL offense to just take yards like that at will. And my apologies, Thor, when I was thinking of Galladay, I saw he was on the field, but the receptions I was thinking of were Slayton. So thank you Mm -hmm. for cleaning up my mess. I appreciate that. No, I mean, so you guys going into this game, obviously there was, this team is a bunch of frauds. This team is, is not, is that narrative now true? I mean, because technically if you look at it as the perspective of, yes, this is what a fraudulent team would do. They would lose in the playoffs to a team that probably they should have beaten. Again, that's not to take anything away from the New York Giants and on any, any given Sunday, as we like to say, right? But do you think that narrative now is a little bit more accurate? Do you feel that maybe the national media was a little bit more correct on their assessment? You know, because they were able, national media is able to remove any passion or ties that they might have to this franchise, this organization, are they frauds? No, no, they're not. And no, they're not. Uh, what they are is flawed. It's not fraud. It was flawed. And, and they could not afford the injuries at these specific positions like we talked about over and over again. <laughs> Unfortunately, they got them. Yeah, Brian O'Neill was out. Udo actually played a little bit better than I thought, but he certainly was no Brian O'Neill. And then, by the way, Bradbury comes back and we're all excited. It's like, oh, Bradbury's going to play great. Bradbury was awful, was 
awful. Was getting raked all the entire time. It would have been better just to have Reed out there after what we saw Bradbury doing. Dexter Lawrence had the game of his lifetime. Just you know, I mean, just you know, playing berserker with with Bradbury or whatever. But no, the Vikings were not frauds. It was that they were a flawed team that could not afford a couple different things that ended up happening to them down the stretch. Yeah, you mentioned a- Bradbury. Sorry, before you interrupt my segue, my brilliant, brilliant segue here. <laughs> uh, Segway master. Segway master. Pierce. Since you mentioned Garrett Bradway today, obviously the Vikings had their locker room clean out the big goodbyes, yada, yada. Bradbury wants to come back, wants to re-sign with the Vikings. Of course he does. But do you re-sign him? Like, what are your guys' thoughts? We saw what the team, what happens to the team without him. What, I mean, so what do you do? If you're Quasey, what are you doing with Bradbury? What's the next move? It's entirely dependent on price, right? Like before the season, they already declined his option. So it's going to come down to how much he gets offered on the open market. And if you had your druthers, this might be a situation where you're like, Bradbury, because he ticked up this season, he's going to get a better price on the open market than we would like to give him because we're already a little bit cap crunch as is. So we'll just draft a guy in the second round, for instance, say John Michael Schmitz, keep him in town. You can plug him in, start him right away. The problem is the Vikings don't have as much draft equity as as you would love to see. It's not just that they're picking later in the first round and in every subsequent round. It's also, you know, for instance, the TJ Hawkinson trade, they're without the second round pick. Now they recoup some picks in that trade and it, it turned out to be a great trade. TJ Hawkinson, one of the very few guys that starred yesterday, starred throughout it, you know, ever since they got him, whatever. But you're out a little bit of draft capital because of that and some of these other trades that they made. So you only have, I think, I think they only have five picks in April, whatever. So you have less picks to sort of move around, whatever. You need to, to monitor Garrett Bradbury's market very closely. And if the price is right, then maybe think about bringing him back. And from yeah. what I've seen, the assumption is that he will come in around as the same as Ram center Brian Allen, who signed this past offseason to a three-year $24 million. That's fair. So that's, you know, that would be kind of the thing to consider. Sorry, Ross. Now, now you can go my segues. No, later. that's okay. And Thor, to your point, just one pick, I think, in the first 90. So if you're talking about adding, yeah. at this point, quality players that can come in and play right away, you're going to have to get lucky. And if you, if, assuming the picks stay the same, which I don't believe they will, but let's just assume they will, you're likely probably only to get one starter in the first 90. So with that said, this is an older team and aging roster that we've talked about. There are plenty of guys who you could potentially explore trades for to maybe get some draft capital back. It might not be the amount of picks or a pick that you want. But when you're dealing with a roster that has depth issues and has age issues, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And we can go down the list. You can talk about is Harrison Smith back? Is Adam Thielen back? Is Sidarius Smith back? If he is, is he back at a different number? Is Dalvin Cook back? If Dalvin Cook's back, is he back at a different number? Is he outright released? Could he be traded? Could Madison be back and be the feature back? I know we'll get there in later episodes of before we die, but the season ends and immediately you shift into off season mode. You just have to. And I guarantee you those conversations are already happening. This is going to be a much different team next year. And my hunch is a lot of the older personnel, Eric Kendrick's in there as well from all those names that I just mentioned, what was that probably five or six guys, two or three, maybe even more likely to not be on the roster next year for a couple of reasons. Age, this team needs to get faster. And to Thor's point, they need to find some cap relief if they want to make this a better roster. 
Mm -hmm. No, yeah. you know, it's how do you guys feel where this loss kind of ranks in everything? A lot of the Vikings players post game said, you know, these are the real tears. We witnessed the real tears and Kirk Cousins, you know, it hurts. I mean, it's you did. You felt like there was something special about this team. I think even through all of our criticisms, maybe here on Before We Die or throughout our Purple Daily channels, I think you still wanted to believe that you were going to be wrong. Like the Vikings were going to not they were going to, you know, defeat all of the past tendencies and they were going to actually show us that you know this is something special and it turns out it wasn't it was the same old it's funny I was talking to uh Minnesota Wild goaltender Mark Andre Fleury today and he was asking he's like yeah so uh, he's kind of a football fan you know he's a French Canadian doesn't really know and he's like so was this a bad loss or was it a good loss and I had to regal him about the 1998 Gary Anderson field goal. He's like, Oh, so this happens to you guys a lot. And I was like, yes, Mark Andre. Yes. This happens. A I lot. figured that one out pretty quickly. <laughs> he did. I mean, and he was talking about the Steelers fans and how fun it was there. And I was like, well, yeah, this isn't like, yeah, they, they, they win the big one a bit more. In yes. Yes. So, I mean, how do you guys feel? How disappointed are we? I know again, Ross and I were maybe more on the side of we'll see. And Thor, you were, you were all in, how are we doing today? Well, I mean, as far as, the, yeah, it's disappointing. Um, and it's just, you know, I talk about the in-game adjustments at Donatel. If you're talking about the season-long thing, what's disappointing to me is that O'Connell didn't make the adjustment of firing at Donatel during the season. That's the one move that they could have made to potentially raise their ceiling because it became apparent at some point during this fall for some earlier than others I, I, it took me a little bit longer to arrive at this conclusion, but I got there along with everybody else that, that he needed to go. He was not making the adjustments. At a certain point, you ran out of your excuses. As we went week by week by week, you ran out of your excuses. This defense, we did not need the defense to be top five, didn't need it to be top 10, didn't even need for it to be top 12. All it needed to be was somewhere between that 16 to 20, somewhere in there. And that was reasonable, even the 22. It just could not be 30, 31, 32. The, the bar was reasonable, and he fell well beneath it. And, and, and again, the lack of adjustments every single week, it was just jarring. And by the end of the year, you were pulling your hair out. If there's one disappointment for this team, that's what it is. Because I do think that they could have gone further. And, and really what it is is you wasted one of the years of Justin Jefferson's rookie contract, arguably the best non-quarterback in football. You have him. On a cheat code. Everybody talks about the cheat code contracts with the rookies, with the, the quarterbacks, with regards to the quarterbacks in the NFL. Justin Jefferson, you have him on a cheat code rookie contract right now. The value there is absolutely ridiculous. You can't afford to waste years of, of his rookie deal right now. And you just sort of did. And, and a part of the reason is because you hired Ed Donatel and then you didn't move on from him during the season. And I hope he's fired here in the next 48 hours. So to Jesse's point, uh, I I never didn't buy in, but I never didn't not buy in. As you recall, late last week, I said, I think the Vikings somehow, some way will be in the NFC Championship game, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings lost right away. Here's where it's disappointing. It's disappointing from the sense, and I believe we talked about this in recent memory. If you're Kirk Cousins, let's just put this on, on the Kirk Cousins level. He's probably not going to have many better chances in the NFC when you look at at least the opposing quarterbacks he was facing. Danny Dimes had a better day yesterday, but at this point in his career, Kirk Cousins is better than Danny Dimes. At this point in his career, Kirk Cousins is 
probably better than an aging Tom Brady. Is he better than Dak Prescott? I don't know. Right now, I think in this season, he's better than Dak Prescott. Definitely better than Geno Smith. Were the Vikings going to go to San Francisco and win next week against Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers? I don't know. Probably not because that roster stacked. But the opportunity was there to maybe go and rattle a young quarterback like Seattle kind of got to. And we're starting to see that Brock Purdy is human. And oh, by the way, do we even know if Jalen Hurts is healthy or how he'll even handle playoff football? That's where it's disappointing. You could stack up all seven quarterbacks in the playoffs this year, and you could make a case if you were picking one of the seven that you would pick Kirk Cousins. And I don't know if he'll ever get another opportunity like this. And they didn't even win a playoff game at home against a team with a worse record than they have. I mean, Brock Purdy, zero current wins against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Fact. <laughs> Fact. I'm just happy that I now no longer have to be conflicted about cheering for Brock Purdy. Yeah, no, you're, you, you need know, to be I'm all in clear. on Duval. I, am I do want to talk just... to Duval now. And Thor you're right. And I like... are all in on Duval. That's right. I mean, I don't hate it. God, you know what? Seat. You're right. At least we're Vikings fans, not uh, Chargers fans, right? Like, I mean, oh my worse. goodness. Oh my goodness. Someone on, online was like, oh, the Chargers have the most cursed fan base. It's like, pal, have you ever heard of the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> it's not just that we have the most cursed fan base in the NFL. Put one in all, all of American sport against us. No one's the, even yeah. close anymore. You used to have the Cubs or the Red Sox. Now they're off the board. The Vikings are at the top. That nobody else has an argument against the Vikings. The mm-hmm. 1994 San Francisco, San Francisco Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, then San Diego Chargers. I was gonna say, weren't they San Diego? When did they go were, San Diego? They were not cursed in that Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. They just weren't a good team. And Stan Humphreys is their quarterback. Happens. Yep. It happens. Stan Humphreys. Since we're sticking with quarterbacks, I will say I do not think. Uh, the loss hangs on Kirk Cousins' shoulders yesterday. Yes, a terrible fourth and eight throw short of the sticks. Don't know why he looked at that route. I know I saw one graphic, I think, from uh, our dear old friend Courtney Cronin where it showed the different routes by players. And I've always attested, and I don't know why, Kirk Cousins seems to love his tight end, so I don't know if he was just panicked. He just didn't want to get sacked again, right? And that's why he was just getting rid of the ball, yada, yada. But I thought Kirk played an exceptionally well game. So it was more disappointing that having been said, um, you know, our dear friend, Phil over uh, of purple daily, the, our fearless leader brought up a good point that had me thinking uh, if he tweeted this, he said, if I would have told you five years ago, the Vikings will have one playoff win in five seasons after signing Kirk cousins following NFC title game appearance, how would that have sat with you? Plenty of people or things to blame, but I'm curious, which I am curious about too, because that is a surprising thing. Something I probably wasn't thinking too much of, because again, I don't, I've, I've come around to Kirk cousins, right? I have, I've come around him and his, his face to me. Uh, I just, I've, I've come around to it. I don't hate it as much as I used to. He has a very, he has a very punchable face. Like just because of his looks. Him and Mark Shura, like those are just two faces that I just kind of want to, I don't know why. Neither here nor there. They're just got a punchable face. Like it's just, it's like that from Step Brothers. Can I do anything about that? No, ma'am. It's just your face. I just kind of just want to punch it. Like how I feel feel about Thor most days. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Quite a nickel for every time I was. That's going to be reported to HR Uh, for sure. Here's the darn shame in Kirk Cousins. I'm not reporting it. Yeah. Kirk. (laughs) Kirk did not 
do a lot to really necessitate any blame yesterday until the final throw of the game. Right. And sadly, that is what people will remember. And and I'll say this, the play had two guys running routes short of eight yards. That shouldn't even have been an option. Everybody yeah. should have been farther downfield. Or at least one guy running a crossing pattern where maybe you hit him in stride and he turns it upfield. Uh, the one thing I would say, and this does go back to the is Kirk Cousins a big game quarterback narrative. Mm-hmm. I would just I would like to think that my quarterback in that situation, even with pressure. Now, if you read Twitter, they'll they'll tell you that there were basically five guys within six centimeters of his face. That was not true. He had time to step up and throw that pass to Hawkinson, which he did. I would like to think that my franchise quarterback in that moment knows I can't throw this ball three yards and hope that my tight end breaks a tackle and turns it upfield for five yards. He's just, he's got to know that ball's got to go eight, nine, 10 yards downfield. And when you see that stuff again, despite all the great stuff we saw from Kirk Cousins this year, that one throw just kind of erases a lot of the goodwill for me. That, that throw just can't happen. Who cares if you throw a 12 yards downfield, it's intercepted. Mm-hmm. That's that has to be downfield. I will say this in defense of Kirk Cousins. I think KJ Osborne needs to catch that ball on third and eight. I think that mm-hmm. was a ball that was catchable. It was knocked away. But if he catches that ball, who knows? Maybe we're not talking about it. And we're previewing the Vikings and San Francisco 49ers. But that that throw, I, in my opinion, erased a lot of goodwill. And maybe I'm naive for that. And I'm sure people will attack me. But I, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes throws that ball three yards. I don't think that Tom Brady throws that ball three yards. No. I, I don't think I, I don't think many quarterbacks in that situation would make that throw. Heck, Brock I'm Curry not sure Skylar Thompson would have made that throw. No. Definitely. Yeah, no, a, a couple of different things to unpack here before we even get to the, the fourth and eight. I Cousins did play well, for sure. He, he did play well. And the Giants on the other side of it, they succeeded in taking away Justin Jefferson just from a treetop, you know, offensive perspective. And Hawkinson stepped up, but the other secondary options for the Vikings really didn't. The, the Giants sort of dared the secondary receiving options and and the, the run game of the Vikings to beat them. And outside of Hawkinson, who also killed the Giants in the last game, the, the rest of them couldn't really do it. And then you get to the, the very end there, and Cousins have played well despite this um, in, until that last play. And you're totally right. You have to throw beyond the sticks there. Now, do all five guys that are running the routes, do all five of them have to go beyond the sticks? Maybe not, but it's got to be four, right? Like, because if the idea, like, you know, if all the if the Giants are playing everybody back, like, you know, whatever, then maybe you have one of the guys leaking. But you got to have at least four. Um, you To only have three guys running beyond the sticks on that play, I, I thought was a bit bizarre. And then Cousins' explanation was so Kirk Cousins. His explanation was basically like, well, you know, I, I look for Justin. And then I thought, Sorry, I, Gates. yeah, like, you know, he was covered. Then I thought, face, I, man. I, I thought I was going to get sacked. So then I, you know, I, I, then I threw it to TJ. I knew I couldn't get sacked. So I threw it to TJ and it's like, okay, pal, but TJ was covered. So yeah. like, I mean, like, you know, he's not, you know, like you said, the, the odds that he break makes the catch breaks that tackle and then runs five additional yards. It was just very, very low. And at that point you're sort of conceding the game. Uh, very disappointing, but up till that that point, he had played very well. But it was sort of indicative of something of his game that we have criticized for a while, and also of his personality, frankly. Because even in his explanation, he's sort of pointing at this fear of getting criticized for a decision. I.e., I know I can't get sacked, therefore I knew I had to get it out and throw it to T.J. And it's mm-hmm. like, bro, 
that's still a bad decision. You still have to throw it beyond the sticks there unless TJ is wide open and there's nobody within 10 yards of him. And you can project in your head that he's got a real good shot of running the five additional yards to get the first down. I know one way that we can make Kirk Cousins feel better about the loss, about that poor decision-making. Uh, we have some Canadian friends, the crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders, who want, to, do. want uh, to have all of us hey. jump in, make Kirk Cousins feel better by making a donation to his foundation. No, no, no. Cousins. Make yourself feel better, Make yourself Jesse. feel better. Make yourself oh, feel it's better. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Yeah. We love twofers around here. Uh, so make a donation to KirkCousins.org. Again, let them know that... Purple Daily's Crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders sent them over. Uh, again, whatever you can donate, it is a great cause. No matter how you feel about the season, it's fun that uh, you're able to give back to the Minnesota Vikings and the ups and downs and, and all of that. So 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever you feel comfortable donating, let them know that you heard it here on Before We Die and on Purple Daily. So thank you to the Crazy Cousins, Crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders for letting us be a part of that. You guys want to do some before we die? Let's do it. Oh, uh, do we have to? We have to contractually. We have to. He just, okay. he just actually, he just doesn't have the graphic ready. So I'm, that's, he's just I'm being to buy told in my oh, ear from the on. producer, okay. which is me, that we have to. <laughs> Time now for the before we die crew to give us their before we dies. Can I go first? Yes. So before we die, doing this show. My belief, whether it's next year, probably not, or five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, before we die, I'll be able to update that open that talks about the Vikings have never won a championship because they will win a Super Bowl before we die. Again, I just don't know when that is. People, keep your hopes up. It could be next year, could be 100 years from now, but it will happen, and hopefully when it happens, most of you listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube will be alive and in a good mental space to comprehend and actually understand what's happening. So before we die, it will happen. I believe in the law of averages. The Vikings will win a Super Bowl. I just can't possibly tell you when, but it will happen before we die. Keep faith. Yeah, and my, I, I would like to go more negative. Before I die <laughs> and before the end of this week, the Vikings will fire Ed Donatel. And I'd like to say another thing. I pledge a donation to that charity if the Vikings will fire Ed Donatel before the end of the week. If the Vikings will do something good for their organization, I would like to do something good for society and kind. Please keep in mind, if you're watching or consuming this podcast after Ed Donatel has been fired, this was recorded prior to any news on Ed Donatel. <laughs> That's a great disclaimer. Um, well, before we die, Brock Purdy will lead the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl championship. Oh, I'm all in. All in on the 49ers. I mean, I loved Jimmy oh, G, too. Let's be honest. Whatever. Now I'm all in. I want As it, long as want, he doesn't run into I the want to do Iowa Hawkeyes so I can, on the other side. Just so I can rub it into Thor's face that an <laughs> Iowa State Cyclone quarterback did some good. It has next to zero chance it's not zero but it's pretty close of happening no not your no yours could oh, easily happen yeah. yes i'm yes. talking about my squad from duval i'm all in on the jaguars they have absolutely no chance but i'm going to enjoy every second of it go it jags duval go. forever hop on a new bandwagon ladies and gentlemen i want to know what bandwagon you guys are all hopping on board because let's be honest yes we'll have our little pity party but we're moving on we're still going to be consuming football. You guys can still consume Purple Dailies before we die for a couple more episodes here. We will take a brief hiatus for the offseason. I know you guys will miss us, but don't miss us too much because 
you'll find me on some other content on the purple daily channel, not purple daily, excuse me, score North channel Thor as well. So stay tuned and look out for that. Ross probably too. Ross is always floating around. I'm everywhere. Job. We don't I'm everywhere. Luxury. Uh, so yeah, let us know who you guys are cheering for now. Also let us know what you guys thought about the game, what you guys think about the show uh, as we start to wrap up our season one of before we die. We want to hear from you guys, as I mentioned each and every week truly is very humbling to have you guys check us out, listen, watch, engage with us. It makes it a lot of fun. Good, bad, in between. We're here for it. Uh, so thank you to everybody checking us out. Drop them in the comments. We will cover those in Thursday's episode, as well as take a look forward to what the Minnesota Vikings might be up to in the future. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Ross is going to go catch a gopher basketball game. Uh, Skyima, go golf, throw the boat. Skull Vikings, boat. keep the faith. Hannah Penn. Go Cyclones.